Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach a full sermon like I normally preach for 35 minutes. But I do want to open up God's Word, and I have an amazing thought for you today. It's really encouraging to see a church that doesn't just gather on Sunday. It's not just about crossing that off the list in, in a ritualistic religion sort of way. But we have a church, we've established a culture where we meet outside of the walls on Sunday. And we gather in homes, we talk through the gospel together, we exhort one another, we build each other up out of love like we've been seeing with our last series in 1 Corinthians. And a couple Sundays ago, I was in a backyard having a barbecue after church and me and my wife and a couple other people were talking about the gospel. And the question came up, what are the ways that you can grow in your love for God? And, and this, was, this was positioned to me. And he said, there's two primary ways that you can grow in your love for God. And I had to start thinking about that because love is very, very important. I mean, we just covered a couple weeks ago 1 Corinthians 13. Can anybody tell me what 1 Corinthians 13 says about love? Maybe you want to open up your Bible if you have one with you. But does anybody just want to shout out something? What, what is the message of that chapter about love? Patient, most important thing. I heard you must, you must have it. Without it, without it, it's a waste. You can do something amazing. You could do something for someone. But if you're doing it for the wrong motivation, it's not going to do anything for eternity for you. So love is primary. Love is a necessity. We see that in scripture. And if we want to be a Christian who obeys Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So as Christians, if we're to be known by our love for one another, if love is the absolute epitome and the pinnacle of what we should share as our faith in Jesus Christ, if God is love, then we have to grow in our love, right? So think about how you grow in your love for, some, for someone. Um, Love is everything, and the Bible tells us we have to do that. But my first, my first point today would be the very first way that you do grow in your love, and that is to spend time in relationship thinking and talking about the saving grace of God. And this is the way we grow in our love really with anything. You could pick something, right? What do you love in life? Do you love a video game? Do you love a sport? Do you love your wife? Do you love your kids? I mean, I love my parents. When I was a little kid, though, and they were always correcting me <laughs> and telling me what not to do, I didn't love them to the same degree that I love them now, right? And, I mean, you could take the game of basketball. I don't know what you love out there, what your hobbies or interests are. When I was growing up, I played basketball every single day. I loved basketball, but it didn't start out that way. When I started dribbling a basketball as a little tiny kindergarten kid, I, had, I mean, it was just a ball that's rolling around, and I can run and have fun, right? But as time went on in my life, I invested into that game. I spent time in that game. And you know what? I was rewarded for it. I had competition, and I won things, and I made friends through it. Like, it was just, the more I poured into the game of basketball, the more I experienced out of it, got to know the game of basketball, the more fun I had with the game of basketball, the more I loved, loved it. And that's why you have guys today who are 40 years old who still go out there and risk injury and play pickup basketball. They're not doing it for the girls or the glory or anything. They're just doing it for the love of the game, right? 
So you grow in your love when you spend time with someone. And if you spend time with God and you open up the Bible, you read it and you see his characteristics and his nature and what he's doing for you and you see the grace that he has outpoured on you, you can't help but respond in more love when you see the goodness and the grace of God in your life. So I would say that's the first way that you grow in your love with someone. It's a focus on the gospel, and the overflow is just automatic from there. But what's the second way? Because that was the first answer I had. I was immediately like, yeah, I grow my love for God by reading the Bible, praying, talking with God, and I'm consumed and I'm focused on how much he's changed me, how good he is to me, his grace that is overflowing in my life. But there is a second way. The Bible actually tells us a second way that we can grow in our love for God. So if you have your Bible, please open it up to Luke chapter 7. And I realize many of you may not have a Bible out there. That's totally fine too. I'm going to read it for you. But we see a story here. And this is, this is the one that's not as common. And it's not even as fun to talk about. And people don't really think about this one as much. But it's here in this passage. I'm going to start reading in verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. This is speaking about Jesus. And Jesus, he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. And we know from a parallel passage in scripture that this is Mary Magdalene, who when it says she was a sinner, it was a nice way of putting it. She came from a very hard lifestyle, probably in abuse, probably in prostitution. There was some very hard things that she had come through when she, before she found Jesus Christ. And this woman, verse 37, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his face with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus can read thoughts. In verse 40, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered him, say it, teacher. And Jesus tells this story here, verse 41, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, and a denarii is like a day's wage. So one owes him 500 and another 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. What Jesus is teaching in this story here is that the more you understand your own depravity and your own sin, the more you will 
worship God and the more you will grow for your love for God. This isn't, the point of this isn't to compare yourself and think, oh no, I don't have one of those testimonies. I could never be like Mary Magdalene, saved out of prostitution. I could never be one of those people. I was saved at an early age. I mean, that's my testimony. I was saved as a very young kid. And I thought for a long time, well, I don't have the same testimony and the same powerful come to Jesus story as those people who were saved at a life of drug abuse and addiction. But after college, I had a roommate who did have one of those testimonies. His name was Paul. And this guy was saved when he was in the Navy. And his dad abused him. He had a very, very hard life. And when he found Jesus, everything changed. He received forgiveness. He had a new purpose and a passion in life that was bigger than himself. And when we talked about our testimonies, you know what he said to me? He said, David, your testimony as the little boy whose dad was a pastor who was saved in church at a young age, that testimony is just as powerful to me as my testimony is for someone like you. So let's not compare ourselves amongst each other because the truth of the matter is every single person in this, in this area right now, on this field, is just as lost of a sinner without the grace of God. The cute little girls out here have just as much potential and capacity to sin in their heart as the worst hardened criminal that you can think of. God's grace and God's mercy are two different things that we cannot confuse, and we need to think about both, right? Do you know the difference between God's grace and God's mercy? God's grace is when you focus on all the good things that God's given to you. Grace is the good things that you do not deserve that God has lavishly just blessed you with. It's all those good things that you don't deserve. That's grace. God's mercy is him withholding the things that you do deserve. And we all deserve death. For our, our sin nature that has rebelled against God, it's going our own way. We've said, no, we don't want the creator. And for a time, every single one of us, when we're apart from God, we say, we don't need God. We're going to go our way, do our thing. It's only by the mercy of God that he doesn't give us what we actually deserve. And when you focus on that, you realize how much you've been forgiven, how messed up your life would be without the mercy of God. You know what will happen? That's the second way. In relationship, you will grow in your love for God. Can I hear an amen for that? All of us need to think about not just the good blessings, but also the mercy how we were lost, going astray, and Jesus sought us out. God drew us to himself. God loved us so much, even when we didn't love him, that he sent Jesus Christ to this world to die on the cross for your sin, to die the death that we deserved so we wouldn't have to. And that's the mercy of God, the grace and the mercy of God that you see on the cross. You see this throughout the Bible when you start looking for it. Another passage that really draws it out is in the book of Titus. And I just want to close by reading this for you. Titus chapter 2 talks about the grace of God. Let me read this. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. 
Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting to think about? Jesus is coming again. He's given us this new life to live on mission for him. It's by his grace. That's in Titus chapter 2. The very next chapter, Titus 3, starting in verse 3, this is what it says here. Uh, verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Does that remind you of your life before Jesus Christ? That is all of our lives without Jesus Christ. And he is saying to actually go back and think about that from time to time what you would be like without the mercy of God. Verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we have become heirs according to the hope of his eternal life. There you see it right there. The grace and the mercy of God. We need to in relationship with God, pray about it, talk about it, read about it in God's word. And you know, both of the, the beginning of this sermon and the end of this sermon both came to me in a conversation with somebody in our church. I was talking with another person in our church just this week about the grace and the mercy of God. And, I, and this passage in Titus just came to me. You need to find yourself in a community of believers where people can point you to God, encourage you to walk with God, and bring out truths from Scripture as we talk and walk and put our arms around each other. We all need that. Today, I want to extend an invitation to you because I know there could be people out here who have not yet found forgiveness. You've not yet turned from your sin and turned to Jesus Christ. We had a race yesterday with two of our life groups. How many of you ran in the color run last, yesterday? Raise your hand. Give a shout. Yeah? We had a few color run racers out there. This is a, it went to a great cause. It was for an organization called Switch, which, which fights human trafficking in the upstate area. And we did this color run. And believe it or not, I was like in the lead on this race. This is a 5K, okay? Not a big deal. There's not really any serious people. We're just throwing color on each other. But I was like in the lead. And I, was, I knew the finish line was on Spring Street, and I was like, wait a minute, did I just pass Spring Street? Oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I I'll just cut over here on this other street, and then I'll, like, loop back. I'm like, I grew up in Illinois where there's a grid system, right? Like, every, the streets make sense. But I took the wrong turn. I knew I was, like, took the wrong turn. But I was like, oh, no, I'll, I'll be fine. I can kind of go this other way, and I'll work myself back on my own. Does that sound familiar to when people get lost? <laughs> And, and, and don't know where they're going to find God. So I'm going down the wrong path. The nice neighborhood in Hampton Heights turns into this not so nice area in Spartanburg. And I'm like, I'm really lost now. Like I, I, I'm going way out of the way and this is a lot of work. I'm getting tired right now. Doesn't that breeze feel good? Thank you Lord for that. Well, I was so lost. I was going in the wrong direction. I was just confused. I lost my bearings. I wanted to get back to the finish line. I had a desire to get there, but I didn't know how to get there. I had to stop, ask a guy, hey, where is downtown? And he said, you have to turn around, man. 
you have to turn around and go the other way. And then I was like, oh, that's it? I am so confused right now. But I couldn't just kind of find my own path and snake my way back around. It doesn't work that way. We can take, we can take a wrong path and get way out of, out of line to find our Savior, Jesus Christ. It takes us stopping and confessing our sin and saying, I don't want to go this way anymore. I want to go towards Jesus. I want him to forgive me of my sin. Turn around and run to him. And that's what I had to do to finish the race. And I basically ended up running 10 miles instead of three miles yesterday. But if that's you, if you say, you know what, I need to stop right now. I need to repent of my sins and I need to turn to Jesus Christ. I have two guys right over here, Blake and Lewis. They would love to talk to you about that. For real, you could do that right now. You could go talk to one of those people right now. And if you're not comfortable doing that right now, we're going to pray in a minute. And we can talk after the service, after we sing our closing song. But don't leave today without finding the grace and the mercy of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We realize we love you because you first loved us. And we realize that without your love, just always day in, day out, pulling us back in, we wouldn't be who we need to be. And it's because of your love that, that we have family, that we have friends, that we have a church home, that we have jobs. All these things wouldn't be there if it wasn't for your mercy. Sending Jesus into this world to die on the cross. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And Lord, if there's someone right now who needs to get saved, who needs to repent, turn to Jesus Christ, to believe by faith alone in his death and resurrection, convict their heart right now, God. And we can have another baptism here today. If they repent and confess, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing one more song about the goodness of God.